Hey, welcome to episode 33 of the City SC Report. I'm Steve and this is Joe. Hey, Joe. Hello again. Well, we're back from our vacation to talk about what has been going on with City and MLS since our last recording. If you listened to our last one, uh, yeah, we had some uh, audio settings issues, so uh, hopefully this one is back to sounding like a normal episode. Yeah, I want to apologize about that. That was our episode 32, which we titled The Quiet Episode. Uh, Yeah, some some settings were off. Yeah. um, Little electronic difficulties. Couldn't figure out why, but we ended up figuring we, out. We, so we figured we, it out. We, we, should, we should be good. Yeah. Uh, I actually even debated not even putting it out because um, it is difficult to hear. And it's uh, for completionists only. If you were really dying to yeah. have heard every minute of Turn us. Turn it all the way up. You might be able to hear it. Um, even my son said we shouldn't, but last minute I decided to go ahead and do it. Uh, probably wasn't the best decision, but I did it anyway. Anyway, figured it out. We should be all good, so big apologies for all that. Hopefully you all don't hold it against us. Uh, we'll try not to let it happen again. I'm not sure how much that uh, affects listening to the next episode. <laughs> I, I really think how City is doing seems to be uh, yeah. what, what really affects it. Exactly. So with that, let's let's get on with the show. Yeah. All right. We'll start with the big news. Yoakum Nilsson has started training with the team, and reports are that we're looking at four to six weeks until he sees playing time. So does that mean we could be seeing him in time for the LAFC game? Is that four to six weeks away? I mean, given it, it depends on when the, that four weeks started on the, uh, you know, it, it was a little unclear four to six weeks from what date. Yeah, uh, it was but, last week. And so, I mean, I'm thinking that that means uh, City at LAFC on the 12th oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, sounds like about a month there. Could very well be. So, um, I think Bartlett and Hebert have done a fine job in his place, but having Nilsson at center back along with Parker is really expected to shore up our defense. I mean, on paper, he is our best defender yeah. by a pretty wide margin. Absolutely. And as far as Klaus goes, as we all anticipate his return, Tom Timmerman asked Carnell about his status last week. And according to Carnell, he's hit a bit of a setback and will be out at least another two weeks. Carnell was quoted as saying, we'll have to reevaluate in about two weeks' time. Unfortunately, there's a bit of fluid buildup on the quad. He goes on, it just needs to settle down. Klaus, no- Klaus knows his body best and we trust everyone around here making the right decision so the right decision right now is to shut him down for the next two weeks i mean this is a playoff team so you you've got to be thinking long term you got to be thinking what's best for the team come this fall not and and not just get desperate and throw people out there just to try and get a one quick win so that was one week ago so hopefully we'll hear some good news next week yeah we'll We'll see. I don't, I don't want to see him rush back, but man, I still we still need a big target man in the box. Yeah, uh, we, he, we're still lacking that part of the game. I think I figured out that he's missed seven games, I believe. Um, I mean, it's turned into a long yeah. injury for something that they thought was going to be quick at the beginning. And he'll most likely miss two to three more, depending on how fully he can recover. Um, he's a big piece of our puzzle, no doubt, but... 
soccer is a game of adapting in a lot of different ways. One of them is obviously offensively, and in this case, missing that big presence in Klaus, they had to do just that. And they've been adjusting and getting better, but you can still see the, the that is a thin spot in the depth chart for sure. Yeah. I would really love to see them bring somebody else in to, to add to that. Yeah, part of me wonders if uh, they've had any talks about shortening a Denneran's loan and bringing him back at all, or... I guess they're just I, confident that Klaus would be back soon. I I guess, but I mean, <laughs> this has been a pretty long stretch, so uh, it, it, you've got to wonder there. City scored two goals in the first few games without Klaus, but have scored 11 goals in the past five or four and a half games, if you will. Be but with that enough. said, we also just played that game and a half against Dallas, and then this past Saturday's game against Galaxy, we only scored one goal. So regardless, it'll be a major factor to our offense once Klaus fully recovers and is back to starting. Oh, yeah. Also, it was announced that Blom was selected for the South African 23-man squad for the AFCON qualifier against Morocco on June 17th. So he is well on his way, and I guess he's probably there now. So let's hope he returns safe and sound because, of, as we've said before, he's a major difference maker when he's on the pitch. Well, I mean, that's what changed in the middle of this stretch without Klaus the first half of the time he's been out was no Blom and we were losing games and then Blom comes back and we're winning games or drawing games you know more often than losing he he is a huge part of that completely changes the flow of the game when he's out there and in other news some Argentinian dude announced that he's going to sign with Inter Miami moving on uh <laughs> no now let's uh, let's talk about Messi for a minute because this really is huge. Um, I think it's w- obligatory for every podcast, uh, and there's a lot every of us Apple out there. Everybody TV. has to talk about uh, <laughs> Messi, right? But you can't help it, and there's a point to us mentioning it today because I, I think that it could bring a lot of changes, important changes, to MLS just as uh, David Beckham did. So yeah, as we know, last week Messi announced that he is 100% going to sign with Inter Miami. Um, we saw a lot of uh, rush to purchase <laughs> tickets for the Inter Miami versus City game, uh, which he will not be here yet by that point. So we'll get to that too because that that's that that's a factor um, that I want to talk about too, as far as his effect. Uh, but first, I want to say my first reaction to hearing him sign was okay, that's pretty cool, you know, he's one of the best, if not the best players in the modern era, coming to the U.S. for what's rumored to be a a two-and-a-half-year contract. But when I started seeing and hearing more about the impact that he's going to have in so many different ways, it truly is going to be a remarkable thing. Um, Not just in the uh, attention and money that he'll bring to MOS, one example, I, I told you that Charlotte announced that on the day that he made the announcement, they sold 10,000 additional tickets to their final home game of the season versus Miami. Um, but it, uh, it's also going to make an impact in the players that he'll attract that will want to come over and play with or against him. You know, there's also speculation that now is the time that MLS will announce changes to the salary rules, just as they did for when Beckham was signed. That's and, the bigger one, is yeah. it? Beckham's signing was the beginning of the DP setup, uh, which has kind of served its purpose. It has allowed teams to sign some bigger name guys, but it is pretty universally agreed on by people who watch this league that they've 
got to make some changes yeah, to the salary absolutely. cap rules. Um, it, this is not it, we're no longer in a league where you should have 20 no name guys coming right out of American colleges and one big European dude. Uh, you, you can't fill the roster like that yeah. anymore. Uh, you have to have a balanced, well-rounded roster because this league has gotten too good. You can't come in with one good player. Right. You could do that against a weak team, but that's it. the time of one guy being enough to make a difference is past. You need to up the salary cap on the whole league. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to be able to spread their money around differently for sure. So if this is what gets MLS to change some rules to bring in some more guys around him in Miami to bring in for other teams to be able to keep up with that. That that would be a much bigger impact than Messi as a player. I love Messi. I love watching him. I yeah. like him for club and country both. I've enjoyed watching his career. Him playing in Miami doesn't affect me a whole lot as a fan of a Western Conference team. I'm not going to be sitting down and watching every Miami game. I, I That's not... It's not going to affect me that way, but I would love to see that raise the salary cap across the league. Yeah, but I'll also add that watching uh, highlight videos of him on the uh, MLS wrap-up would will, will be interesting. Uh, but this could be, I, I was just saying before we went on that um, I read an article and did a little research. Uh, people are saying this could be the beginning of MLS 4.0. Um, this term, if this term's new to you, MLS 2.0 was the moniker that they gave to Beckham era of MLS when he entered. The changes that took place and expansion that followed, you know, DP and salary rules were created and expanded. Um, they began expanding the league. Uh, what, what were there, 12 teams at the time that Beckham came in, I believe? And, and even the DP rule started expanding. When he was here first, it was just one DP, and now, as you know, we're up to three plus uh, young designated player. I mean, all kinds of things have expanded, which is good. Um, a large part of another article I read was MLS 3.0 because I, I didn't know there was a 3.0. Again, these are just kind of made-up terms. They're not official, but... Um, large part of MLS 3.0 was about expansion. Many say that it basically began when Atlanta United entered the league and was attracting 50,000 per game, where at that time that number was really only present in Seattle and occasional big games. And they were turning out really good seasons too with really good players that no one had heard of from Central and South America, which started a wave of players coming to MLS from those countries. Um, Atlanta joined MLS in 2017 and... Maybe you could argue that perhaps MLS 3.0 started before that when Orlando and New York City FC were included in 2015. But in any case, since then, LAFC joined in 2018, Cincinnati joined in 2019, Miami joined in 2020, Nashville also in 2020, Austin in 2021, and then City, of course, in 2023. I think Atlanta's quick success on the field and then so many of those other teams having success as far as... Especially LAFC. Well, and getting great new stadiums in LA and Cincy and Nashville right away. Obviously, Atlanta's the outlier on that, and Miami's still figuring theirs out. Um, Although they're saying opening in 2025, I believe, for their new stadium. So 
that's part of that 3.0. 1.0 was everybody playing in football stadiums, trying to see where you could find somewhere. 2.0, we got the beginning of it looking like a... Oh, it, that was the other thing. A, I a league for yeah. that. The, the 2.0 was also, even though they didn't... We've had this discussion where they didn't fully uh, stick to it, but it was supposed to be that all new expansion teams had to have a soccer-specific soccer stadium. <laughs> but we know how that, that went. MLS Sometimes money, make, money talks more than... Uh, yeah, they, they make rules and then they break them when they feel like it. But yeah. the fact that they weren't looking for like who has a football stadium we could play in, which right. is how somewhere like Kansas City originally got a team, you know, like, well, you could stick them in the Chiefs stadium for, you mm-hmm. know, play, you could play at Arrowhead for a while. Um MLS 2.0 was trying to go in the right direction on that. Now yeah. those are the stadiums that now look dated. The one in Colorado, the one, the previous one in Columbus. Columbus has already had to replace theirs. Uh, so, you know, it, it was making it look more like soccer, which is great. But 3.0 is now we're, you know, what St. Louis is kind of the the last wave of that, I guess. And we'll see if yeah. the messy signing is part of a new wave of new salary rules. Uh, and we'll see what comes with it. Uh or not, people could just be overhyping the the significance you, you of know. him. I mean, he's a great player. Time will tell. Is it going to affect the league league wide? I I really don't know yet. Well, if this is the beginning of quote MLS 4.0, um, it may have already begun with the Apple TV deal, start of the new leagues cup. Um, like you said, another expansion team in San Diego, the signing of Messi and uh, Insigne before him. The uh, report came out today that Inter Miami and Jordi Alba have begun negotiations, and uh, I saw yesterday Minnesota are interested in signing Timu Puki from Norwich. Um, Minnesota recently made room on their DP list, so you know we could see bigger names, more changes to salary and DP rules to get all Messi's friends over. Um, this could be uh, this could be a good thing. As long as we're still getting players who are still in their prime. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't yeah. want it to turn into a wave of old guys trying to squeeze another year out. I, I think MLS has passed that Yeah, I, I've always hated the term retirement league. I mean, if Every, you look at it in a whole, yes, we've had some players that are, you know, quote, past their prime. and But nobody blamed PSG for signing Messi after all of his time at Barcelona. Yeah. Like, oh, look at, look at PSG. What a... What, right. what an old man's retirement if, uh, team over there. And if Messi would have went back to Barcelona, does that make Barcelona a retirement team? No. that's. It, I get it, it. I get it. We prefer these stars to come over when they are in their prime. Yes, that would be ideal. And someday we'll get there. But there's nothing wrong. Like Insigne, when he came over, what, 32, 31, something like that? That's not... That's fine. We, I, I am totally okay 35 with... 35 is pushing it, but still, he's the best player player on the plant i mean it, there's nothing wrong with a 35 year old messi who can come over here i mean there are plenty of your Euro- quality european champions league teams doing that go- going around and signing a guy in his early 30s from other big leagues us being in that discussion is fine as long as that doesn't turn into you know signing that 39 year old yeah. uh you know, on his last legs, uh, just because he used to be famous in England. Uh, we, we don't want to get back to that. We do want MLS to be a destination for people. We do want it. 
people to see America as a league that is worth going to, and and that's okay. And some of that can be because America is just a better, more exciting place to live than yeah. to say like, well, you know, I'm really dying to try my hand in the, you know, in a top flight league in some of the Eastern European countries or the, it, the U.S. should be in that layer right below the big leagues, and that's that's fine. I I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. Just, uh, just... I did see some complaints from people about the way that Messi's deal is structured. That, like, well, if Apple are helping kick in money and uh, it, and is it Adidas who are helping kick in money towards this? Miami are getting a player that only came over there because of endorsement deals that are not being offered to other teams to br- attract other players. I mean, that's a fair argument, but endorsements are a big chunk of a- any player. So, you know, that that could happen anywhere. Is that hurting St. Louis? Not really. We, you know, uh, if there was a way for us to get some guy and, and endorsement deals were part of bringing him to the States, that would be great. We'd take advantage of it yeah. the same way. Even if it takes like a Bobby Bonilla deal, deal you know, you just... You do what you can, and hopefully not quite as long as that one. Uh, but you know, weird structuring on people's it's, deals is part of sports. Yeah, there's ways around things. So, so anyway, Messi's coming over. Exciting news. Most likely a very good thing for MLS overall. But if you're, like Joe said, if you're holding out hope that it'll come to St. Louis on July 15th when City hosts Miami, you're better off forgetting about that. He could be with the team by that point, but it's more likely that he'd make his debut versus Cruz Azul in Miami's League's Cup match against them, but who knows. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. They've made no announcements like that. So now let's run through some of our recent games for City. Um, since our last podcast, we have played, or I guess you can say completed, three games we rolled over houston three nil finished our half played match at dallas but unfortunately dropped that one two nil and then in a rare sunday afternoon match just a few days ago we drew with the la galaxy one one let's break that down a bit we'll start off with the big victory at home versus houston back on june 3rd we had predicted a closer match as we had noted before that houston is one of those pesky teams that you never know what team will show up and I think luckily we got the not so good one. Well, uh, they did come in on short rest. Um, yeah, and that's it, true. And it took two penalty kicks, but mm-hmm. those good weren't point. the deciding goal. That was, I mean, we still won by three. Yeah. So if you take those away, we still won that game. Um, saw a lot of chatter online from some of the Houston fans afterwards complaining about the calls. <laughs> the first one could have, the call could have gone either way. Uh, it was one of those, it was called a PK on the field. There was not going to be enough to overturn that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the announcers were sure that that was so soft and should never have been called. I, I didn't see it that way. A uh, player came in with his arms up in the box. Uh, I coached high school for a long time, and I would have yelled at any defender getting his arm up across a player in the box and then wondering why there's a call. If you don't want that call, you keep your arms down and you lead with your shoulder. It's one of the first things they teach you in defending. Lead with the shoulder, not with an outstretched arm. You can't Mm -hmm. put your hand across a guy and then wonder where the call came from. Just keep your arms down. It's it's simple. It is high school level stuff. Tell your defenders to keep their arms down if they don't want the call. 
The second one was a clear-cut penalty that actually they did go to VAR to make it a penalty, and I thought that one was a penalty instantly yeah. on watching it. That I mean, he, Azeel Jackson just got trucked from behind, no attempt mm-hmm. to make a play on the ball. Oh, and yeah. then that and then the one, guy just... And yet the announcers on the game on rewatching yeah, later... They, Acted like, well, I don't know, you know, maybe he's leading with the shoulder. I, that that could maybe be a penalty. I mean, he just went right through the back mm-hmm. of him. It was a stone cold penalty, and thank goodness for VAR for ones like that to get it right. right. Uh, in in totally addition great. to getting it right on Houston's side earlier when they had a red card that VAR brought back and turned into a yellow. Oh yeah, I which that, about that. But that was the right call. So. As much as I'm still going to complain about the refs when we talk about the L.A. game here in a minute, and we all don't like the refs, VAR does help. It, it took a, a a red card away from Houston and made that right. It gave us a penalty, then made that one right. It Thank goodness we're in the VAR era. So the first penalty, Leuven put it in for 1-0 lead. Uh, second half, Ostrock scored off a set-piece combo. Uh Leuven took the free kick. Bartlett got a head on it, sent it over to Ostrock, who buried it 2-0. And then finally in the 83rd minute, like Joe said, the penalty, um, big-time push, shove, however you want to put it, on Jackson. Uh, Leuven stepped up to take it again, but then called in Joe Acchini to take it instead. Apparently, uh, Joe Acchini wanted that to try and get himself back on the scoring. uh, It. it, Get his scoring pick back up, and and Leuven, credit to Leuven for being a calm enough leader to say, "All right, I'll, I'll let you have that one." Right. Um, I don't want to see that happen too often, <laughs> no. but but it worked out all right. But okay. that one was created by the fact that that's why you play Jackson in late. Jackson has so much speed. Oh my gosh! You force other teams to have to. Play. Oh, he's he's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to have a guy like that and bring him off the bench, that's what you want to do: create mismatches with his fresh legs late that forces defenders to either you got to let him by or you got to do something stupid to try to stop him. Yeah. And and that's what happened. So that's how it finished. 3-0 was the final. I'll throw in some important stats from this game as we have uh, 1.5 more to talk about and also our upcoming match versus Nashville. So for Berkey, he had four saves, and this was his fourth clean sheet on the season. City was actually out-fouled this match, which I thought was interesting. 14 fouls to uh, City's 10. Houston had four yellow cards, and City had three. Moving on to the Dallas match. Unfortunately. Yeah. Which, if you need a reminder, was continued from the 50th minute from when the two teams met on May 6th. The two teams had to put out the players that were on the pitch at the time. The game was called, with the exception of injuries, which Dallas had two. So both teams had 40-plus minutes with fresh legs to see how they could fare. I yeah, think... and the <laughs> the first 50 minutes of the game when we were playing it that night, yeah. it was nil-nil, but we had the momentum. We really looked like the better team out there. I think if we finished that back in May, we come away with a win. I think we were. I think we would have scored. Uh, coming out where both teams were coming in level, we had no momentum and, uh, and played really flat. I... Agree, but except with the flat. I don't think we did. I think it was when Ferreira scored the goal in the 80th minute. That's the point that I think it took the wind out of City's sails. And that we looked flat the rest of that. And, of course, then 
Dallas had another one. Marco Farfan in the 89th minute, two nil final. But it just, I, I, I wish we really could have finished fun. it the first time. Yeah. We we were we were outplaying them the first time around. Yeah, I agree. So let's let's skip the rest of that. So that takes us to this past Sunday's match versus the LA Galaxy. The uh, Galaxy came to City Park surprisingly in last place in the Western Conference, and it just suffered a blow to the team when Chicharito injured his ACL in their Open Cup loss to RSL. City went with a pretty familiar lineup. Berkey, Nerwinski, Parker, Hebert in the back, Blom and Leuven, Alm, Vasilev and Stroud in the mid, and Joe Keeney up top. It was uh, another very physical game, some questionable calls. Mostly going against City, it seemed. And some questionable uh, yellow cards. Three going against City in just the first half. And Loven, Blom, and Alm. And two of those three, I absolutely do not think were yep, cards. I agree. Um, I, those are ones that were fouls, but not, not card-worthy mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. City had some great chances, but just couldn't seem to connect. Especially Stroud. He had some really nice runs, yeah. but just couldn't get it to the right player or even made a couple bad crosses. Um, I still like him on the left-hand side, though. I think he's – I like his aggressiveness, his speed and vision. He just he just couldn't make it happen this game. It was frustrating. Yes, it was. Uh, but but he, you're right. He did. He was making some runs. It, it wasn't a bad game for Stroud. It just wasn't yeah. all clicking. But that part of that comes back to, again – is it him versus who the target is in the box? I'm, I still think with a different target in there, that looks different. Yeah, that's that's true. You get Klaus in there, who knows what could have happened. I think there were a, a few players who didn't have their best games. Um, I'd like to see what you think about this, because I'm going to include Loven in that. I don't think he had a bad game. I just don't think it was very good, especially from him. It's not what we expected. Uh, I'll grant you it was not his best game. I still think that he, moving on an an off day, is still better than the average player in that position uh, in this league. Moving on his best day is an all-star. So, yeah, it probably was not his best game. The yellow probably had something to do with it. It Same with Blom. I think Blom played a little more tentative with the yellow. Exactly. Um, Still not bad, but they're both, they were they're smart enough players to be careful when they're playing in a card, and I like them better when they're not being careful. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the players in a second, but first I have to talk about City's goal. It was a beauty. Across from Vasilev to Joe Keeney, who, how would you even describe this goal? Like a little flick flick? up with his <laughs> toe, like while facing away from goal to chip the keeper. It was... When it happened in real time, I thought it was more of a fluke. I yeah. thought it kind of took a weird deflection. Um, sorry, you could hear the honking yeah. horn. Yeah. I, when it happened in real time, I thought it was like a fluke, like a weird deflection. But I think that on replay, I he knew what he was doing. It was just a beautiful goal. Yeah. It was a believe it went in. fun one to watch. Yeah. It was very surprising and... You love to see those. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, in the 78th minute, Galaxy subbed in four players and City subbed in Jackson and Ostrock for Stroud and Vasilev. And then in the 85th minute, Galaxy tied it up and City failed to respond. 
1-1 draw for City's first home draw. And, uh, and honestly, we had three different defensive players make mistakes to allow that goal in. Uh, I mean, Nerwinski misplayed a ball and yep. turned it over, but yep. then Parker and Hebert both got caught not covering it. They let the defense get split by one run, and both of them got caught looking. Uh, so there's blame to go around on that goal uh, at a point where we just needed to hold on for a few more minutes. Yeah, it was a disappointing outcome. But let's look at the, some positives. It does extend City's unbeaten streak at home. Since the loss at Chicago, City is unbeaten at home in four games in a row, outscoring the opponents 11-2. to two. And because of the weekend performances by Seattle and LA, LAFC, City remains on top of the Western Conference by one point. Yeah, rough weekend at the top of the table. Yeah. Uh, Seattle got a draw. LA got oh, and Houston, whooped by Houston. Which was amazing. So That uh, shows you. What did you say uh, last podcast? The, uh, the, the parody of... It does. There's... Of MLS. Well, and that's why you got to be careful. That's why part of why Galaxy... That was always going to be a trap game for us. Coming in on short rest... Against a team that is low on the table but has some good players. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, you know, you, you got to be careful of uh, of those. And so far, St. City have not played well in any short rest games. That has not been mm-hmm. – Saturday games following a midweek game has not been a good stat for us. Let's talk a little bit uh, negatives. I'll start with Nerwinski. He, I mean, he that did not have a good day. That LA goal does not happen without no. his turnover. No. He starts that play again. The blame there was blame to go around. Sure. It takes more than one player yeah, messing absolutely. up. Um, I'm talking in a whole. Yes, that's a big, you know, part of it. But I think overall he performed the worst on our team for this match. I mean, yeah, with Hebert sliding out left lately. Um, it's made it more obvious that Nerwinski is then the the weak point of the mm-hmm. back four. Yeah. If you've got a Hebert, Bartlett, Parker, Nerwinski back four, so I, I he's not as good as the other three of those guys. Um, he's no. not as consistent. That's what I was. That's what I was going to go towards. He's. I think he's fine. It's the he consistency, is, but it, you, he's you not can't consistent. Be, he's more mistake prone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hebert tends to make fewer mistakes. I've been surprised how few Bartlett has been making since yeah. they've brought him in for a guy who right. was not starting earlier in the year. Exactly. The big thing for your defenders is just don't make mistakes. Just be in the right place when you're supposed to be. Um, yeah, Nerwinski, he has the physical skills. He's not a bad player, but right. he's, he's mm-hmm. a little more mistake prone. Yeah, exactly. And doesn't make up for it enough on offense. Sometimes a wing back like that, you say like, well, he's mistake prone, but man, look at the way he runs up the line and sets up a lot of things and he doesn't he's there for those balls up on the right but he can't do anything with it he's not that attacking presence that you need he's not danny he alves up. he has i will always bring up danny alves yeah. my favorite player oh, of all well, time that's that's kind of hard Dan, to do, danny but... alves is uh <laughs> he, but he's not that yeah. he, he's not lighting it up out on the wing uh which means he needs to be stopping every ball that comes yeah. his way. You you can't. He doesn't provide enough offense to make up for defensive mistakes. Right. Um, but then neither was Nelson on the left, yeah. which is why he's found himself watching from the bench while Hebert's taking mm-hmm. his minutes. If, if Nerwinski doesn't turn things around, if he consist, con, continues to be 
that inconsistent throughout the rest of the season, you know, whether or not it leads to somebody else coming in, filling in for him, maybe trying Watts or maybe even Bartlett on the right once Nilsson's there. Do we know if Bartlett can play right back? Didn't he one maybe. game? Well, maybe. Well, he... that might be a possibility when Nilsson's yeah. in then. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that. But but thinking way ahead, I think that, uh, and I'm sure Lutz and Carnell are already kind of have an eye on this, that maybe next season that that's a position, position upgrade. we upgrade on. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Hate to say it, like the guy, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. That's I mean, the game. on any squad, you're yeah. looking for where can you get better, and that's a place we can yep. get better. Yep. Uh, so like I said, I don't think uh, Loven had the best game. I did say that yellow card probably had a impact on him, but I also saw players just getting frustrated with him a couple times, uh, especially in the second half. I saw a couple, you know, what are you doing? I'm right here, what, you know. And vice versa. I saw Leuven fussing at Stroud over a couple of balls that didn't they didn't link up well on. That's so fair, I, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a little hard to tell who's out of position yeah. on some of those, but definitely some chances that we couldn't quite finish. And then, like we said, the second uh, affected yellow card player was probably Blom. This game, I, I think he proved he was human. He made a couple mistakes. Didn't have a bad game. No. Just not his best. No. And again, I think after that card, which didn't look like a card to me, yeah. then he... He had to he played scale a little, it back a little he, bit. He did, because he tends to go in very aggressive, go in very hard on players, and you can't do that when you're sitting on a yellow. Yeah. So beyond that, I really don't think anyone had a terrible game. Other than the refs. Yeah. The, the refereeing was uh, once again questionable, and you don't want to harp on it every week, but if you're going to be throwing out cards and things, it it seems to be that you're trying to take control of the game, and yet they weren't taking control of the game. I hate to accuse players of diving. Oof. There's There was one actual legit dive, like a player who just faked a foul at one point. Most of the time when people say, oh, soccer players dive a lot. Most of the time they're not. They're they're selling fouls. They got fouled and they made sure that they hit the ground rather than try to run through it. Um, L.A. had one foul that literally the man dove should have been carded for simulation. And then they had a couple of other times when they're selling it hard enough that the ref should have actually been just disregarding that. One clear-cut case, St. Louis was on the attack. Uh one of LA's defenders went down with a non-contact injury, just planted his foot wrong, looked like maybe looked like he twisted a knee and and the ref stopped play while St. Louis was on the attack. Uh, so frustrating. That it was not a head injury. It was not anything that you should have stopped play for. St. Louis had the ball attacking with one of LA's defenders laying on the ground. I mean, you've got to let that play out. That yeah. That's unacceptable for a referee to whistle a play yep. dead. Let L.A. get the guy back up and back on the field. He was fine. And so all of a sudden, they're back at full strength. Mm-hmm. And so instead of us we playing through, we had momentum. And they had one defender laying on the ground. And instead, like, oh, no, they're, they're fine. Let's just reset everything, slow it up. That's terrible refereeing that any referee should have known you don't blow the whistle there. And then the same player went to ground with a... Another non-contact injury later on in the half rolled around to the ground for 
probably five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then immediately subbed right back in. The second play started again. Referees have got to deal with that guy personally wasted fully 10 minutes of time, and yet there were only five minutes of stoppage added. Yep. Uh, and both of the times that he went to ground, he immediately subbed back in. So that is not... I understand sometimes you just need to walk it off. But if you're that ready to come back in that quick and you have personally stopped the other team's momentum more than once and burned off a bunch of clock in a game where L.A. were playing for the tie, they're on the road at a better team. You could see the whole game. They were playing for a tie. They wanted the draw. And he is out there killing momentum and burning clock. And the ref is letting him do that. That is unacceptable from L.A., and it's unacceptable from the referees to let him get away with it. At the same time, though, I, w- I will say that Galaxy, especially that second half, they had some good runs. They had some really good chances. They've got and, a lot of speed. And that... Parker and Hebert and, and Bartlett saved the team's butts a couple times. My daughter just kept saying, like, man, LA look fast up there. Yeah. That, she said that to me That's two or three thing. times during the yes. game. They, they've got a lot of speed. It created some yeah. mismatches. They're not a bad if team. If those guys could learn how to connect... Exactly, they would be they're, dangerous. They are not far away from, yeah. you know. I don't know what from, it is, but, but it, they're but a it, couple of pieces away. But they've got some good players, yeah. and and they created some threats, and that's why they scored the second goal. Their second goal was a legitimate goal. It wasn't like something fluky. They just did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, St. Louis didn't defend it well, but all credit to LA for not giving up and coming back and stealing a point. Mm-hmm. You know, they kept pressuring and and it worked so here's some interesting stats so we can move on because it was frustrating but city it's still not a loss no yeah it, it's nice to take a point away and like i said it, it continues the unbeaten streak uh it just would have been it, a, a nice the point. three points were there for the taking yes city had 22 shots six on target five blocked galaxy had 12 shots five on target and two blocked City. And we had some other chances, too, Yeah, uh, that don't show up in that stat sheet. We, we had some good possessions that uh, we couldn't quite convert into shots. <clears throat> a lot. City committed 15 fouls and tallied four yellow cards, while the Galaxy had eight fouls and two yellows, and a lot of flopping. With Joe Acchini's goal, he now leads the team with six. Klaus and Loven still sitting on five apiece. And it was Vasilev's third assist on the season to go along with his two goals. Oh, and Vasilev was so close to having another uh, assist there. He made a great run uh, in the second half that if he passes instead of trying to shoot is probably a game-winning goal. Uh, It was the window of when to pass was pretty narrow on the replay. I thought it was an easier-looking chance watching it in the stadium than on on the replay. This was not a wide-open ball, but he... He had a window there of when he could have passed it, and and you know. I do I do like how Vasilev gets into the box. He puts his head down and just always yes. seems to find a way in. He just that one. If, if we were one touch away there, yeah. uh, that, that that was our best chance left on the field. Now let's talk about this weekend's match. City will travel to Nashville to take on Nashville SC on this Saturday, June seventeenth at seven thirty. Nashville currently sit in second place in the Eastern Conference with 32 points, trailing Cincinnati by eight points, but that 32 points puts them three ahead of City's 29. 
As we know, City has 33 goals scored and 17 allowed, giving them a 16-goal difference. And to compare that with Nashville, they have scored 25 and allowed 12 for a 13-goal difference. So pretty close numbers. This is going to be a big game. Nashville has only lost one game at home. That's the six, stat that means a lot to me is that, that yeah. home record of theirs. So it's a, this is a big challenge for City. And uh, wasn't their only loss to Cincinnati, who are leading the Supporter Shield so. race right now? So the fact that only Cincinnati has been able to beat them in their place yeah. uh, worries me. I'll also point out that Nashville is on a nine-game unbeaten streak, not counting their 2-1 Open Cup loss. They have not lost a regular season match since April 15th when they lost to New York City FC 2-1 in New York. I would love to say that we'll be the ones to break that streak, oh, but yeah. I'm uh, I'm not sure I can go there yeah. with that prediction. 28-year-old Hanny Mukhtar is their main man. Last season's MLS MVP and Golden Boot winner. Scored 23 goals last season and is already tied for the league. Lead this season with 10 goals to go along with his seven assists. Oh, he's a fun player to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he's playing everybody else. Yeah. He is. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't have a good game versus us. I but, hope not, uh, but he is the real deal. Oh, he my is, man. He's yeah. a lot of fun. Nashville also has guys like Pakal, who's a dangerous and speedy winger. Of course, U.S. men's national team defender Walker Zimmerman and defender Shaq Moore, as well as St. Louis natives Jack Marr, who is the older brother of City 2's Josh Marr, and of course Nat Nashville's number one keeper Joe Willis. And they also have veterans Dax McCarty and Teal Boonbury, so a, a very solid team. A very hard team to defend and to score on, and at home, this is going to be tough. Definitely a match that uh, we wish we had Klaus available for. Yeah. So, predictions? I'm, I'm going to be optimistic and go 1-1. You know, I like to be optimistic too, but this might be the first game that I predict that we lose. I hate to say it, but I'm going to say we drop this one 2-1. to one. But of course, uh, I hope to be wrong. Exactly. Um, walking away from Nashville with a win would definitely show the haters that we mean business and can win away from home, but I'd be happy with walking away with a point, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I w- yeah, I would be very happy taking a point away from there. They're, they're a very good team in their stadium. Yeah, What's their stadium called again? Is it Godis? Is it Jodis? Jodis? I don't know. They're, it looks nice. New Park. Yeah. I've seen it on TV. I yeah. And I have I yet like, to visit. I, I know like, we have some fans who are going down for do. making the trip. We have a couple buses going. Yeah. So that's going to be. Uh, I will not be, be there, but, uh, you know, have fun. All the people who do get to go down. I know. But yeah, I like, I like the stadium. I like the atmosphere, of course. Nothing like City, but well, City no. Park. But uh, I like one thing I really do like that they have, and not that I ever want to emulate another team, but I like uh, at the beginning. Um, since Gibson is a sponsor, somebody comes out, some famous musician, and plays the guitar before they begin the match. That is, I, as a, as a big music fan, I really like that. You know, they they lean it's into the one their city's identity, and that's uh, that's great. That's what you got to do. Yeah, three things I'm jealous jealous of of Nashville. One is that, two, hot that, chicken that they have two <laughs> hot chicken <laughs> that. I was going to say uh, that they have two St. Louis players on, on their roster. Uh, you can buy hot chicken in St. Louis. Sorry. And and three is Mukhtar, if, uh, a player of Mukhtar's caliber. If I, we had that, oh, we would just... It it, it would, yes. I would, uh, I, I would love to see us plug in 
a, a superstar level player. Oh, there's always roster. Firmino, right? <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep seeing uh, you know rumors, talk, hopeful chatter that he'll come over. I I like that City is an important enough team to be in people's rumors. Yeah. Oh, it's Firmino coming. Well, uh, what's the new one? Canado uh, is that is uh, the Brazilian wing back that. Oh, is that the there's rumors rumor that came uh, out today? Yeah, maybe coming here from uh, Gdansk. What we'll, we'll see. Yeah, uh, what do we know about this guy? Not I did, much. I never he's, did look uh, him up. he's a Brazilian, I believe, left back and midfielder who's playing playing in Gdansk right now and okay. looking to move up to a bigger league. But I I just like that when people say, "Hey, where's this guy going to maybe mm-hmm. move to?" That St. Louis is in the discussions. Um, hey. I I want to be. At least getting talked about in the rumor yeah. mill. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't expect us to sign anybody. If, if it is, it's going to be somebody. Not a that, big name player. I don't think we're in the no, market for it. It would be uh, somebody that loots. That. Is, Some guy we, none of us have heard of who's right. playing in Europe. That, yeah. yeah. Or maybe even here in the MLS. Maybe there's somebody that, you know. Carnell has connections around yeah. the league. I mean, a lot of these guys who I had never heard of before have panned out really well. Mm-hmm. And we still have uh, international spots open, don't we? Uh, I believe so. I've, 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 it's, it's been so long since we've talked about that. I forgot how many. It could be one. Could be two. I, we'll see if uh, if they're looking to sign people or not now in the summer. Yeah, but I, I still wouldn't expect us to sign anybody, not this first season. Positive or negative? No, it's it just don't hold it out. Uh, it it, nobody should be holding their breath for uh, right. for any really big name guys. No. It's not that kind of a not that kind of a roster build. We'll see how we're doing during this stretch in the summer. It's, the schedule's getting tight again. There's some midweek games coming up, uh, so we will see how. Hopefully, they have the depth to be able to keep up with that and not get worn down. Um, what we really hope is that our closest rival in the standings is LAFC. Uh, they're in the middle of a stretch of a lot of two games a week. Um, you know, they've dropped some points lately. I'd love to see them keep doing that uh, rather than us dropping points coming back, you know, on a Wednesday, Saturday week because we got, we got another one of those coming up here in a couple of weeks and it's going to get, you know, get a little bit busy. That's right. I forgot to mention, uh, by the time we record our next episode, we'll have also played RSL on Wednesday the 21st. Here at home on a midweek game at home. And then um, over to San out of the West Coast at San Jose on the twenty fourth. So RSL actually just made a big signing, so that's going to be pretty tough. So yeah, RSL just completed uh, the signing of uh, Chicho Arango from uh, Pachuca, Mexico, twenty eight year old Colombian international. Um, he was the one, if you remember. Played for LAFC and, uh, up until last year. Scored 35 goals in two seasons. So 35 goals in 58 games. So he's uh, that just made RSL a very – just makes them that much better. So we'll see. We'll see how we're back uh, – how we're, how we're faring when we're back in a couple weeks. That'll, uh, it'll be a good stretch to tell us, uh, you know, that – 
road game, home game against an improving team, road game. Uh, we'll, we'll see how we weather that one and see how many points we can get out of those three because that, that'll it, – it's going to make a difference in a tight race up at the top of the West. Yep, and the Western Conference is starting to tighten up points-wise, so a lot could change. Yeah, if we start dropping points, uh, you know, we could we could slip back very quickly, so we're going to have to be careful in this uh, upcoming few games. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, I think that'll do it, Joe. All right. Thanks for joining me once again. Um, folks, thanks for listening. Remember to follow us on our, all of our socials, and... Uh, We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Go City. Cheers. Go City.